Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Check out the Hog Talk Podcast, the newest addition to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Find it on hitthatline.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. Razorback Nation, welcome into episode number 133 of the Hog Talk Podcast. My name is Kyle Sutherland alongside Porter Hayes and Kevin Bohannon. We thank you, as always, for tuning in. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the pod. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen. We are there, and if you can be so kind, please be sure to leave us a review and give us some star power. Let's us know how we're doing and reach more people. I want to let you guys know before we get started that the Hog Talk Podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. We're almost halfway through the college football season, and while you may not be at the game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. There's also the online casino that never closes. So head to betonline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Before we get into a little football talk, the bye week is over. We are now officially focused on Texas A&M. A lot on the line for that one as the Razorbacks could play for a tie in second place in the SEC West. Who thought we would be talking about that? But first, Kevin, I know you've got some things from uh, some fall ball, Razorback baseball. Looks like uh, pitching was one of the main concerns we thought we thought that was going to be a strength and it still can be going into the 2021 season we've still got a little bit of time before baseball begins but uh, I want to get your take on some things that of some takeaways that you got for the weekend definitely and coach Hobbs really challenged his guys after the first few games where game one was 15 to eight the black team won, and then you had an 11 run sixth inning by the red team in game two so the message was made very clear after those games that y'all need to compete more in the zone, be aggressive, stop trying to nibble, work around, strike everybody out, pitch the contact, and be an elite pitcher, which a lot of these guys are. When you have 15 guys on the staff that are 90-plus and nine of those that are 95-plus, there's a lot of velocity there, but you can't just get by on velocity in the SEC. you got to have two and three pitches to where you can mix it up and be a true three-pitch mix guy if you want to be successful in this league. So talk about the bad first. Connor Nolan, five innings, 14 hits allowed, nine earned runs. His ERA was 16.2. And talking with good friend and color analyst for the Razorback baseball team, Bubba Carpenter, there just hasn't been the progression that you see. And Bubba stated on the telecast yesterday on SEC Network Plus that – you know, pitchers aren't made in fall ball, but you see some glaring signs that are troublesome with Connor. And he, he does not have a pitch to get left-handed pitcher, left-handed hitters out. There's no change-up that really bites and goes down, really good fading change-up. He pitches off his slider a lot, uh, but the, the velocity is not mid-upper 90s like a lot of these other guys, and he's just having trouble getting guys out, whether it's Robert Moore, Zach White, up and down the lineup the red team was seven of 14 off of him yesterday in, in two and a third innings pitch. So that's very troublesome. I think Connor would be a great bullpen guy come into where he doesn't have to go through the lineup one or two more than once. And he could be an innings eater like that, kind of like Jake Rindle was, but we did have some really good performances on the mound. Cole Ramage was three and a third inning, had three K's, no earned runs. Blake Adams coming into his second year was four and two thirds inning, one earned run and five strikeouts. Jackson Wiggins, the freshman from Roland, Oklahoma, three and two-thirds innings, only allowed one hit, five strikeouts. 
Lyle Lockhart, the transfer from Houston, had five and a third innings pitch, no runs. Elijah Tress was really good out of the bullpen. Peyton Paulette picked up two wins in relief. He's going to be that spot guy that's got a really high spin rate for a curveball, really good fastball, 95-96. Caleb Bolden for the black team was really good, and so was Patrick Wicklander in his one start. He went three and a third with five five strikeouts, had his no-hitter going into the fourth inning until Brady Slavens broke it up. Looking at the offensive side of things, uh, Robert Moore, Braden Webb both had multiple home runs for the red team. Matt Goodhart hit 571 for the series for both sides. Zach Gregory, who's come on really strong in the outfield. Then Casey Opitz had a really good game six, going three for four with a double and two RBIs. He also hit 350. And then for the black team, Caden Wallace led the team with a 412 batting average, had two home runs, eight RBIs. Franklin had a good game yesterday, kind of getting back on track. And then Ethan Bates, who made the top sports center play last week with that diving catch, hit 294 for the series. So a lot of good things to take away, a lot of things that you can see that they need to work on. But the competition is really there between the young guys and the vets. So it's going to be a lot of fun watching these guys come spring. Hey, Kevin, you know, talk about the, the pressure on Connor because, you know, you have Blaine Knight and you have Isaiah Campbell. I mean, how much pressure – is on him and, and I guess the team as a whole, the pitching staff, to really have that dominant starter. Yeah, we – you know, coming into last year, he didn't have football anymore and he could just focus on baseball. And his first two starts were really good. He got to play Oklahoma down at the at Minute Maid Park in, in Houston and was okay for five innings. But Connor's thing is he, he leaves the ball up too much. He can run the two seam in on righties and, and really challenge them there. But I I don't think he really felt the pressure. I think it's just the fact that he he's he's his own pitcher and he's gonna be his his version his best version of himself. But you're right, there there's lofty expectations and he just hasn't lived up to those yet. In in my opinion, in my opinion could be a moot point. But just from the outside looking in and talking to Bubba Carpenter that and Bubba's been around this team quite a bit. He's just not where he needs to be right now. It's just not – let's see the best way to put this. His stuff is not as good as what it should have been. And that just may be his limitations right now or just needs to work harder, but we'll see. That's what I was going to ask, Kevin, as we talked – you just mentioned about the really good offensive plays that we had with some home runs and some good hitting. But with how much the pitching staff has struggled, as I said right before you started talking about that, that it is early. We've still got, give or take, about a little over three months until the season is supposed to start. Do you think it's maybe just some fall ball jitters and trying to get some wrinkles aired out? I mean, what, what do you think that that might be? And do you think it is going to be a major concern going into the season? I think in games one and two, pitchers were scared to get hit real hard. And you can't do that, especially in the SEC and especially for Arkansas Regiback baseball. Coach Matt Hobbs, he cannot have guys on his pitching staff that are scared to get hit. When they competed in the zone, and they got outs when they threw strikes. I think the first two games, they had something like 20 walks. And that number – and that was combined both teams. But that number gradually went down as the series went on. And Caden Monk did a really good job. His first outing was horrendous. Caden Wallace, the first pitch he saw, hit a home run. Um, And then yesterday he bounced back, was really solid. He had eight strikeouts. And Evan Gray had a really good game yesterday coming behind him with three strikeouts. So there were small snippets of really good performances, and then there were just some that were just – terrible so it was from one end of the spectrum to the other you were either lights out or you you were getting ripped all to shreds so I don't think it's a real big concern right now because of the depth because they can go to okay who's next next guy up and there's that many quality arms in the bullpen or on the staff that they can figure it out Zebra Million looked really good yesterday in his one inning closing it out for the red team he kind of got shelled his first out and you got Nate Wolgamuth he looked better yesterday. I mentioned Elijah Trest already. Lyle Lockhart, guys, is the one I'm really interested in see what happens because he came to us as a two-way player from Houston, and he's just going to pitch for the Razorbacks. So if he can – he's got a really good, fast, whippy arm. He's got size coming from the left side. 
So they're going to be able to balance it out really well between righties and lefties, and that's something we haven't seen in the past. We've been really right-hand dominant, so they've got a really good mixture right now. And those young guys, if they can come on, Jackson Wiggins, Matt Hobbs is really excited about. And if he can keep the walks down, nobody can hit him. <laughs> well, uh, well, that was a very good baseball report that I honestly probably would not even begin to uh, begin to know where to start on, at least not for a fall standpoint. So we really appreciate you uh, putting that all together, Kevin. And guys, make sure that you tune in as we get close, or I guess when we get into the season, we'll have complete coverage of baseball as well into the regular season. So guys, as we get to next Saturday against Texas A&M, We'll talk about just – we'll get into just a little bit of some things that we are concerned about and uh, need to watch for. But as I said at the intro, who thought that we would be talking about this team sitting at 2-2, two and two, playing for a share of the second spot in the SEC West? Alabama, like they normally seem to be, except for with, with uh, LSU taking that top spot over last year, they seem to be the top team that's going to end up emerging in the West, at least as it stands now. But – you got Auburn, you've got Arkansas and AM threatening. Auburn plays LSU this weekend. So if they happen to lose, Arkansas wins, then they will definitely be in a tie for second spot because they will have that tiebreaker over AM. But Porter, I'll start with you. Uh, I mean, we've already talked, we've already just raved about how great this team has done. But I think nobody except for maybe just people that had unrealistic unrealistic expectations thought they would be at this point. Well, no, no. I think the people who said it didn't believe in their own their own prediction. I think they were just saying it to to be a fan. But yeah, just in the SEC as a whole, it's kind of been surprising in the lack of defense. We've we've not seen a lot of defense when it's come to these teams in, in the SEC and Arkansas. I think that's the biggest thing is their defense. How dominant they've been on defense and teams. You know, before you look at Mississippi State and what they did to LSU, you look at Ole Miss and what they've done to Alabama, and then coming into the Arkansas game and how they've been able to stifle them. And even with the mediocre offense, you know, production that they've had this season, that's been the biggest thing that stood out. But to sit here and say, like we talked about before we started recording, even having the conversation of Arkansas could be the best, the second best team in the West. That, that's unheard of in, in one year. I mean, it, it would even be absurd even thinking about it two, three years down the road. We're talking about year one that they're already in talks of being the second best team in the West. And are we really surprised with it being 2020 that crazy things are happening in the SEC? But yeah, yeah it, it's, a, it's a lot of fun to talk about. And when you, when you take a real deep dive into the numbers, Arkansas's total defense number, they're ranked eighth, which is – in the middle, which is better than the basement where they have been the last couple of years. Texas A&M has a really good run defense. They're only giving up 75 yards a game, but they, they give up more passing. So statistically looking at them, they're, they're pretty similar, especially when you look at Kellen Mond and Felipe Franks. But the really good thing about the Razorbacks right now, they're leading in turnover margin. They're, they're ranked first in the SEC and then their pass efficiency, and they're close to the top in NCAA. I looked at the numbers the other day. Of course, the games yesterday could change that a little bit, but it's really good to see. We talked about the guys being ball hawking and the pursuit. So you got three guys, Bumper Pool, Grant Morgan, Jalen Catalan, are in the top five in the SEC in tackles per game. And as far as solo tackles, Jalen Catalan is up towards the top in, in the NCAA as well. Of course, Hudson Clark is tied for first in the nation in – interceptions with that phenomenal game against Ole Miss but it's a lot of fun to see these guys really buying in and it's going to be a really good challenge this next weekend we talk about Kellen Mond how he's been there for 19 years it seems and not a real big fan of him but they they got a running back Isaiah don't call me CJ Spiller he's got he's top five in the SEC he's got 430 yards I think he's second with 107 yards per game and four touchdowns it's going to be a really big test for that front seven. We're, we're going to call it a front seven because I think we'll go run heavy next week. Depends on the game plan with Coach Odom. 
Well, backtracking just a little bit, I had talked about how it seems like Alabama is going to be back to that number one team like they have been so many times. But we've seen that their defense is – Mac Jones is playing great this year. Their defense has struggled. We've seen that – or at least not struggled, but they, we, yeah. they've, shown that they've shown they're susceptible, basically is right. what I'm getting at. And you lose Jalen Waddell, a massive loss. I understand that Alabama has great players on their two- and three-deep roster, but it's hard to replace a, a player of the caliber, caliber of Waddell. So that's going to be something to be taking a look at. And as you said, it's 2020. Who knows what could happen? The SEC West, the SEC – really is wide open. I still think Georgia, hands down, has the best defense, but really how far is Stetson Bennett going to take you? But you mentioned you, you kind of broke down just like a brief breakdown of Texas A&M right there, and they do run the ball a lot with Isaiah Spiller. How is this defense, and, and I'll go ahead and start with you, Kevin, on this one. How do you feel that their defense – or that, that our defense with this new challenge? They We thought that they that they were going to have a big challenge against them uh, when, it, when they played Ole Miss – but really, the pat they tried to pass it too much once they got down, and then of course we saw the result of that. What kind of what kind of challenge will this will be, and how do you think they'll respond to it? So we have seen so far that we are susceptible to the run still, and that could be that we were in certain defensive alignments and didn't adjust because we had three down linemen against Ole Miss, and of course Tate Bigsby, who has become one of the top running backs in the SEC, even though he's only a freshman. He carved us up pretty good on a, on a wet day. But I, I think it's going to be the biggest challenge so far as far as the run game, our defense against the run game goes, because they, they average 172 yards per game. It's 5.3 yards per carry. That's tops in the SEC. So they're, they're getting a good push up front. And they're probably, and I haven't seen the statistical breakdown, but I did before the last week's games. But yards before contact, they're, they're, close to the top in the SEC. So that means their front five is getting a real good push on the defensive line. So this bye week came at a great time for us being that we'll get more guys back. We'll be able to rotate defensive linemen in now. We got our young guys have gotten a little bit more experience. They're going to have to really step it up this game. And our linebackers having bumper pullback is going to be real critical in this game. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is going to be a game, like you said, with the bye week, this is going to give Odom really the game prep for a different challenge in the run game. You know, they've they've really showed that they can defend the pass and, draw, you know, do rush three, drop eight. But, you know, I have a lot of faith in, in what Odom could do. And I think if he knows their game plan, I think if he knows that they're going to run and establish a run, that's what he's going to concentrate on first and make them beat them win the run game. Then when that fails, then he can start his three, drop eight, and, and like he's done with Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And we feel very confident in Barry Odom. I have no reason to doubt him whatsoever at this point, regardless of what they're going to be facing. But we're finally going to go into a few concerns that we'll touch on. Now, I know that special teams – Still, you're just like, uh, yeah, they've looked a little bit better, but that giving up that 40 – I really kind of think that that 47-yard fake punt was more so on the uh, the lineup that they had, like the type of punt coverage that they were using more so than the personnel. The personnel has failed you a few times, more than a few times this year. But offensively, I just, man, I, I don't know that I trust our – actually, I, it's not that I don't know. I don't trust our offensive line blocking against this top-ranked defense rush defense for Texas A&M the Ole Miss had the worst and you couldn't run on them you really couldn't move the ball that well against Ole Miss in general minus the 95 yard drive guys I got to tell you I, I do think like I've said before that Kendall Bryles will get it going but not having spring practice not having fall camp I know that Gus Malzahn made that excuse uh, before any SEC coach did or will <laughs> but I, I, I am uh, I am concerned about that part of it and yeah, with, go ahead, Porter. I said, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, you got to establish a run game. And Coach Pittman, I think we talked about this on the last pod, you know, Coach Pittman, he, he's one of them realists. He'll, he'll tell you what needs to be worked on. He, and that's the thing that we're not used to. We're used to coach speak and we're used to excuses and, well, we're going to do this. I mean, he said, you know, first thing we're going to do, we're going to try to establish a run game because it, that, the defense is only going to carry you so far. And the, the more the, the further down the season goes, the better the teams we're going to start be playing. So so your defense ain't going to carry you but so much, especially when you're playing some high caliber teams. And am I saying that they're you know, Texas A and M's a trash team and 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 we're gonna blow them out? No, but it's a winnable game. It's a very winnable game because I just like Kyle, uh, Kevin said, 
you know, I don't trust Kellen as a quarterback. They're going to have to run. If they can't get the run game going, Arkansas wins the game. If they can have a balanced attack and, you know, Mon can pass and then they can get the running game going with Spiller, then, yeah, they have a really good chance of beating Arkansas. But you got to establish, and any offense will tell you that, you have to establish your run game for your passing game to really be effective. And looking statistically, but if you want to compare Felipe Franks and Kellen Mond, statistically, they're about the same quarterback right now. They're averaging 246 yards uh, per game. And then I think their passing efficiency rating is separated by less than one point. So they're basically the same quarterback right now. And I don't think that's Felipe Franks' potential. I think the game he had against Auburn where he had over 300 yards, four touchdowns, that's more of the guy that we need. We need the efficient guy that's going to make really good decisions. And looking back at the Ole Miss film, and I watched it after it was after live, of course, and go back and break down some film, we didn't have really good alignments, especially in our run game, where they would stack the box with seven or eight, and we would have our H back right there, and they had a guy coming off the end. They knew what we were going to do. And I think we have to get in a situation that – where we're outflanking them. And Kendall Bryce has to think one or two steps ahead of what the defense is going to do. So Buddy Johnson, that's a name that Arkansas fans need to get used to. He leads the team in tackles and forced fumbles for A&M. He's a really good linebacker. He's going to be creating havoc. They don't force too many turnovers, and that's one thing on, the, on their back end. So I think we can really take advantage of that. But we need to establish the run to set up the play-action game because that has shown in the first four games for Arkansas, if we can be successful in the play-action game and take those deep strikes to Davion Warren, Mike Woods, Traylon Birch, that's going to be a key. Plus, getting the running backs involved in the passing game. We saw how great Traylon Smith was against uh, Ole Miss or the previous game. I guess I'm, that's going to be really key. He's going to have to come out there. Rakeem Boyd is going to have to have his breakout game. I hate to say it, five games into the year that we're just waiting for him to have a breakout game. Of course, there were injuries, but we need both of those guys to get really involved in the passing game. And I've done such a good job of not focusing too hard for too long on it, but, but man, Trey Knox, that's just really gone from – it's gone to concerning for me. I, I'm, really, yeah. I'm really just kind of over it right now. I, I'm focusing on the guys that are out there, and I'm not, I'm not going to trash him. I, I will never trash him under any circumstance, but I, maybe there's something going on that we don't know about. I know last year that he had the lingering hip injury. I, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to focus on the guys that are out there. I, I was just going to make a comment about it because I know, Kevin, you and I have talked about multiple times, like where is this guy – at first, we kind of questioned about the same thing about Hudson Henry. He's made a couple of plays. Again, hasn't jumped off the charts, but has made some plays when you needed him to. Felipe Franks had a great check down, and I think it was initially supposed to be a run. He, or it was initially supposed to be um, a different pass play. He saw the blitz coming. He checked it down, and Hudson Henry went in motion and ended up catching a pass for a first down. So um, great play by Franks on that particular one. But Hudson has gotten you a first down and a touchdown at some times when you really needed it. And so uh, there, there is players stepping up all around, not just on defense. We've seen that with Davion Warren, some of the things that he's done, Traylon Smith. So uh, Blake Kern has done a pretty good job too. But I'm just – I don't even know really if we're going to see Trey Knox at this point or if we should even expect it. Well, yeah, and, and I think even Coach Pittman said something about, you know, he's not injured. You know, it's just – so it's got to be something personal going on, whether he's he's battling, whether he wants to opt out or play four games and red shirt. I don't know what the deal is, but the, unless Pittman's, you know, not telling the full truth, which I don't think he's he would. I think he'd be straight up and honest with us. Like he, he said it was either a tweet or something or a comment where he said that Knox is not injured and he's been practicing. So some, something else is going on. Yeah, and Coach Pittman, his, his new phrase that I saw last week when talking about a couple of players, he is where he is on the depth chart. And that's that's nearly not coach speak. That's being honest. That's not sugarcoating something or sunshine pumping like we like to say. He is where he is on the depth chart. Some guys are progressing better. And that's when he was talking about Jackson Woodard last week and some of the scholarship guys that he's ahead of. Well, freshmen progress at different rates and – Jackson Woodard has progressed quicker than JT Towers or uh, the Brulee kid from 
Louisiana that came in on scholarship. So I really like the fact that Coach Pittman came out and said, look, we, in our bye week, we didn't give all the new guys a lot of reps and getting, getting guys ready. We got our starters ready, and they started correcting stuff that they seen that was wrong from the previous four games, and then they went into Texas A&M week. So they got the guys back healthy, and they really focused on the guys that are there, like Kyle said, that are going to be part of this game plan. That's well, another thing you've got to think about is think about these players like Knox. You know, you're used to being the star in high school. Now you come on uh, Arkansas. Nobody's ever had to challenge you. Now you're having these, these walk-ons, these freshmen step up, and now they have to worry about that competition. So I think it's a little, little mind, on, mind game on them like they automatically thought that they were going to be the starter. They were going to be the stud. And some people can handle it. Some people can't. So for Pittman to step up and, you know, he even said on, on halftime, you know, he didn't expect that, you know, Hudson Clark was going to have the breakout year that he did and maybe he should have gave him more reps and stuff like that. So I think a lot of it is these guys had the anticipation of, well, it's going to be another losing year. I'm going to be the star. I can kind of do what I want. Now you're seeing these kids that have heart and they have a lot of pride in being an Arkansas Razorback that they really got to worry about their position now. Yeah, and we're actually about to uh, talk with Coach Mike Neighbors about that as well, or at least we're going to play the interview that we've already had uh, talking about uh, just we, – we've mentioned it before and we've heard it, especially after Coach Pittman talking about it on Scott Van Pelt and just throughout the time that he's been our head coach since last December, of really what it means not just necessarily to wear that Razorback uniform as an Arkansan, but to live the lifestyle. And these players, especially, you know, like the walk-ons and stuff, and I, and I say Hudson Clark – I always put him in that category of Arkansas boys because he is an Arkansan. He has it running through his blood. I know he grew up in Dallas, but um, as previously mentioned, you know, his dad has worked for the Cowboys for 30 years. So he grew up in Dallas, but uh, so really, really good matchup this coming weekend. It's been really nice kind of touching on the, the walk on guys again, just knowing that we can rely on them really not whether they're a walk on, whether they're a scholarship player, it's been so great knowing that, the biggest question that I personally had going into the season was whether or not we would be able to hold up for a full 60 minutes because we didn't know if we had quality depth and we've seen that we do. And so it's been really, really nice going into each game, not really having that concern anymore. I don't know that we're going to win against AM, but I feel uh, really good about our chances going in. So we'll cover more of that on Friday's episode, but uh, right after this break, we're going to talk with coach Mike neighbors. Always love having him on, had him a few times in the past. And so right after these messages, we will chat with him. Stay with us. The Hawk Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handy. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. We're back on episode number 133 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Kyle Sutherland, Porter Hayes, and we are now rejoined by one of our favorite guests, Arkansas women's basketball coach Mike Neighbors. And coach, before we get started, I want to ask your opinion. So uh, you just informed me off air that uh, this was not a new song, but at least new in terms of what most people think and it just being released at the beginning of the weekend. What is your take on Stapleton's new song, Arkansas? I love it. Obviously love it for all the right reasons. But anybody that saw him at the amp knows that he was visibly, I think he was pissed when we started calling the Hogs. It was during a baseball game. Y'all remember? Did y'all hear about this? I didn't. I never did. No. He was – everybody was following one of the baseball games online, and we started calling the Hogs right in the middle of his show. So, I don't – I, I want to know the story. Did that some way inspire 
the line in there about calling the hogs because that was a couple of years ago back. But uh, yeah, it's starting to hit the mainstream. It's been out. It's been out. You could have found it uh, oh, a couple months ago, but I do know he did just release it to the mainstream stuff. So the popularity is really growing. Well, well and a great time to release it too, because with Arkansas doing the way they're doing, I mean that's that's perfect marketing right there. He he was holding that back till Arkansas started winning. He's no dummy. He's no dummy. That's for sure. You know, you don't do what that guy's done with uh, with his career and, and have uh, not be surrounded by some smart people. That's for sure. Has there been anything else come out? I'm actually a little behind on the music scene just because last time we had talked to you in June, I know you and I had to talk about some of your top favorite singers and bands. I'm a little behind. I I don't know if Jinx or Wade Bowen, any of them has released anything new lately. No, Wade's not done anything. Josh Abbott's got a new song out. Um, There's some stuff floating around, though. Uh, Casey Donahue's got a few new ones out. Um, you know, I think they're waiting until they, until they can really support it with live travel. Flatland Calvary's got some EP stuff floating around. So, uh, William Clark Green did a, um, online video virtual concert. He played some of his new stuff. So, um, I think they're slowly but surely starting to have some live shows down there in Texas. So hopefully that'll make its way up to us real soon. And we want to get into your uh, the, just a preview of your season that starts here in about a month or so. Uh, we're really looking forward to uh, to another great year in, under your tenure. And I, I want to touch on Coach Pittman's uh, Sports Center speech with or the the interview that he did with Scott Van Pelt a couple of nights ago on Sports Center. When I was listening to that, I had, I had thought about some of the things that we've talked about with you and some of the things that I've seen heard you say mentioning that Arkansas is your dream job. Now, you already being in your dream job, I can imagine you took those words that he said a little bit different than we did. Yeah, it meant a lot to Arkansas fans, but you someone that has already been living that. Talk about yeah. what was going through your mind as you were listening. Yeah, I, I said it not on the Scott Van Pelt show. They never invited me to be on that on that, on that <laughs> national broadcast, but you know, I, I think I've vocalized that pretty much uh, since the day I got here, and we use it. Obviously, talk about it in recruiting, but, um, you know, I, um, this is my last job and has been. I, I, I kind of said the same thing to him when Hunter took the job. Like, I'm not going to hide behind it. I've said it publicly before. So, um, you know, I think he, he teased about uh, it probably going to cost him some dollars somewhere down the line, uh, probably more so on the football side than basketball. But I just, uh, you know, you get to a point where you know. Um, and when you moved around – as many times as a lot of coaches have, uh, it's, it's a sense of feeling that you, you can sense that it's your last job. And I hope mine is. Uh, now, I, I will preface this. I did make that statement prior to having a five-month-old. Okay. So, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if Coach Pittman's got any <clears throat> plans of starting uh, back over with a young family, but uh, I, I made that statement uh, when, I, when I didn't have a five-month-old. So, I do know this. I, I know that um, – Coaching it in your alma mater is in the place that you want to be and saying it, there's no guarantee that that gets to happen. You, you, you get to Arkansas and, and things are different. You, you, you still have to uphold the standard of excellence. Guys, I'm going to tell you, it, it doesn't – just walk in a head coach's meeting, okay? Well, just picture this. Walking into a head coach's meeting, my first, first week here, and I got uh, Lance Harder sitting to my right. Uh, it's, you know, 30-something time SEC uh, coach of the year, national champion. You got Van Horn sitting across from you, you know. And and, and at that point in time, Coach Anderson to my right. Um, then you've got, you know, Courtney and Colby, what he's done in soccer. And you've got Buck over there doing every single coach in that room had a program that was at a really, really high level. So – it, it does add a little pressure when you say it, but you know, and you have a sense of comfort, a uh, sense of knowing that if this is your last job, uh, that you would be perfectly happy with that being the, you know, the last tagline on your, on your sports resume. So uh, I, I know exactly how he feels, but you know, there is a still a pressure to perform and it comes from um, within. It comes from, the community, it comes from my family, it comes from friends, um, you know, we, we all want uh, to have excellence for all of our sports, and right now on our campus, uh, you just get a sense of that if you're not out there competing at the highest level, uh, you're letting the team down, you know, you're letting the program down, 
because everybody right now, their teams are, are, are really doing not only competitive at the SEC level, but at the national level too. And that's something I brought up to the guys, uh, you know, with the football program, I said all Arkansas lacks is that football program to get rolling, to really bring Arkansas athletics as a whole, you know, together where everybody's excited because it does. So how how do you expect the success of the football team to correlate into this upcoming season? Because in my opinion, I think this is going to be one of the most anticipated seasons you've had yet. Yeah, it, it with, you know, just with the people ret- have returning and uh... – experience um there I, I know we understand the expectation part of it and football it, it kicks us off you know our, our team you know we rally around soccer and, and all the sports so we don't notice it ne- necessarily walking around the facility but the community is where you sense it uh you get all the fans pulling back out and excited about it and i and i'll be listening to coach Pittman really close and as excited as our whole fan base is, he is absolutely handling it in the right way, saying, hey, we're two and two, okay? We have still got a lot to do and improve. And to me, that's the clear sign that this is somebody who is really comfortable in, in control of their program and the message that's being told in that room. Um, you know, you, you could, it'd been real easy to get way ahead of yourself. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen to our teams. I've seen it happen with – teams we've been a part of, you've got to, to make sure that the people in the locker room understand where you're at. Everybody around can get excited, but you can, you can hear it in his voice on every, every um, talk that he does. He makes sure that they stay right where they're at. They're not getting ahead. They're not living in the past. They're living with right where they are. Uh, and it's something that we've talked about and our kids have noticed and, I can tell you this, the, the guys are just walking around campus with a new confidence about them. Um, and, and, and probably more so than in any other sport, football, you better come in with your chin up. You know, if you come down with the head down, we all know bad things happen. But in that sport, but those guys walking around the training room, uh, the training rooms, the training table, on campus, at, at the events that we all kind of – where we intermingle – there's a, there's a new confidence and a, and a new way about them that um, is it's refreshing. It's good to see. And, and I, you know, obviously my, my Greenwood boy, Grant Morgan's doing great. So uh, really excited for him. Uh, all the, the stuff that came for him this last couple of weeks. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I, I, I'm sure coach Pittman hated having the week off because I'm sure they were ready <laughs> to play. And I mean, let's, let, let's, mm-hmm. let's play. But, man, I, I enjoyed the week uh, catching up with people that have been giving me crap for the last however long. Because every place I've ever coached, I actually missed the start. This is a fact. Y'all can – y'all can. What, what's the new uh, debate term that they've been using? Y'all can fact check this one. Yeah. This <laughs> I missed the tip-off of the second half of a game at Xavier – watching the end of the Arkansas LSU game the year that we knocked them off when they were number one down there. I missed – Oh, my gosh. And I, I'm the assistant coach. I'm not the head coach, by the way. And my head coach looks at me and I said, I'll tell you later. I said, I'm sorry. And he goes, ah, no problem. I mean, that's how it's been – you know, if you come in my office, I've got two posters in there that says hogs and dogs, my Greenwood Bulldogs and my Arkansas Razorbacks. And I've had those everywhere I've ever been, even at Washington, even all those places – Everybody knew I was still going to call the Hogs given a chance. So it's fun to be able to, to have that um, excitement back and the anticipation. And um, I, I hope they can keep it going because it does galvanize our state in no other way that any state I've ever lived in actually happens. So um, we've, we've lined up to help him in any way that we can, and we're going to keep supporting him. Uh, he and his staff, they've just been great. Well, and one well, thing I, I really want to bring up. Go ahead. Well, I was I was just going to bring up too. Uh, you had talked about just like what it, what not just being a coach there means to you, but being in Arkansas and growing up in Greenwood. You grew up there. Porter grew up pretty nearby in Ozark. I grew up in Central Arkansas, and us just being a part of the the lifestyle here. Now, when I, I never as a boy, it was my dream to be a Razorback football player. When I realized I didn't have the talent to do that, I thought about coaching. Wanted to coach there. I realized I didn't have the passion for that. And then I decided that at least from a hobby standpoint, I wanted to do media and where that takes me. I don't know. I'm always fine doing it as a hobby, 
But it just seems you, you've been to Xavier, you've been to Washington, you've coached around the nation. I've lived in Texas for a couple of years. Porter, I know you've spent time in South Carolina. There's just nothing quite like the Arkansas fan base. Every fan base has their passion, but I've never really been able to put into words that really the difference because you don't understand it unless you truly live it. Yeah, I've tried, and I'm not sure I'm going to do any better than what you're talking about, Kyle, but I'll, here's, here's where I come at it with this. Um, and, and I think part of it for me being from Greenwood was because we grew up so close to the border. We had a lot of Oklahoma fans. And, and then not having a pro sports team, we had a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans, Porter. And um, so there was always this um, just wanting to, the water cooler talk. You know, and that's what I try to explain to everybody that we don't, there's not very many states that have, that don't have other major universities. We don't have another A5 uh, program in our state. When I grew up, everybody said, where are you going to go to school? They said, the university. You knew exactly what they meant. There was no, what are you talking about? So all of those things combined. Then you add again, that there's no pro sports within a four-hour radius, four and a half. You can get to Oklahoma City, I guess, for basketball from parts of the state a little quicker than that. Um, Washington had Washington State. They had the Seahawks. We had the Mariners. We had the Sounders. There was just so much saturation. So then when drive-time sports became a thing, there's not another place I've ever lived that have two to three competing uh, stations going head to head that are full hour to hour talking football 320 days a year basketball mixed in there women's sports and the, the the end season sports a little bit but there's not another place like that um that has an sec caliber school a magnitude program like like arkansas has and that's what you don't have the ingredients to create that environment for, for people to understand it and you do have to live it um, I've had some friends who have come to work here now that say, oh, now I get what you're talking about. Because here's here, and, and I, I'll just use this personally. We were in since we were in Seattle for, for six years, um, got the program going in the right direction, went to the NCAA tournament, went to a final four, went to a sweet 16, sold the building out, did all the right things. I, I remember getting recognized one time one time in the community. If we go out here, it is coach looking forward to the season. Hey coach, hey, that's the difference. The media coverage, the the sole focus on the, the University of Arkansas, it just permeates through every fabric of, of what you become. Um, and and I embrace that because again, I'm a fan first. When, when I get into these conversations on campus, whether it's with Coach Van Horn or Coach Buck or Colby or Courtney Diefel, I talk to her a lot, Courtney Steinbach, our tennis coach. I always ask them, are, do you want me to answer this from Mike Neighbors' fan perspective or Mike Neighbors' fellow coach perspective? That's right. Two completely different answers sometimes. Uh, and, yeah, and I remember when uh, Jermaine Taylor fought Bernard Hopkins. I don't even think he went to the university. But he was in a huge title fight with Bernard Hawkins, and they broke out the hog call in the middle of the fight. He had those Darren McFadden-looking Arkansas shorts on, and just the whole place erupted with the hog call. It was the most awesome experience. That, to me, when I – people ask me about the Arkansas. A guy that didn't even go to the university, he was from Arkansas, how they represented him like he was a, a Darren McFadden. Yeah, and I, I think that's going back to what y'all opened with. I think that's why you see this excitement around Chris Stapleton's song release. You know, people write songs about states and towns and communities all the time. He's getting a different response from this than he's ever gotten because of that passion. And, I mean, you see Justin Moore driving him around with a big hog on the back of his tour bus. You know, that could yeah. alien – he doesn't care. He could care less if somebody in Alabama cares that he's got a hog on it because he knows he's got the support of people back home. And – I think that is something that, as y'all mentioned, hard to explain to people until they live it. But um, it is it is something that has to be experienced rather than talked about, I think. Well, Coach, you guys got uh, about a month or so, as I mentioned previously, 
uh, at the, before you start the season and a lot of expectations. You got a lot coming back. You guys had a great season last year before all of that sadly was cut short for teams across the country. Uh, what, what, what's your, uh, I know you've got to be probably more excited than you've just about ever been just knowing that you're going to have tip off pretty much right on time or just a few weeks after normal. Yeah. And, and I hope we get continue to get going there. I know that there's a spike coming, you know, everybody's predicting the new spikes coming. So we'll be just like we've been doing, but just seeing those kids back out in practice, having fun has just, it's been worth, it's all those, it, it, it's worth everything that we had to sacrifice and give up and miss at the end of the year. I hate it that, that Lex and Kira hadn't been able to be a part of some of those things, but just to see the returners and the newcomers come in, they're playing the game with a newfound appreciation um, that it can be taken away from you. They understand that now. They've been told that their whole life, but it never happened to any of them. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you get told something and it never keeps happening, you have a hard time. What happened to them this time? So I think they're really – uh, valuing every opportunity they do get to be together and play. Um, I think for us, it's, you know, there's never a good time for a global pandemic. Let me say that first and foremost out loud and everybody make sure they don't truncate my statement. There's never a good time for a global pandemic. But for us, we were real lucky that I have seven seniors coming back, not seven freshmen coming in. I, you know, I, I talk to Mus all the time and he's like, what are y'all doing? I said, well, don't try to do what we're doing. I got seven, you got seven freshmen. Okay, and newcomers. It's a complete – it's okay so that we're doing things differently. But uh, those kids have been great leaders. They've been um, a very positive um, influence on the younger kids that are just experiencing some of this stuff for the first time. So the excitement is really high. You know, we play a style that you you don't necessarily have to get a lot of reps in. You have to get a lot of uh, individual reps. But we don't have to get together as a team a whole lot to – play fast and, and make shots. So it does play into our advantage. I, I hope that the, as we've seen with football at most places, other than when Barry Odom coaches, defenses are behind in every other, every sport I've watched, uh, pro football, pro basketball, uh, college football, the defenses seem to be behind to me. So that's for another area where I think with us being an offensive oriented defensive uh, you know, obviously important, but offensive-oriented team, I think we, we've got a chance to, to beat anybody that we show up against. We, we will be tested. <laughs> We're going to play the defending national champs. Uh, they can still say that because we didn't have a championship last year, but Baylor coming to Bud Walton Arena. Of course, we'll see South Carolina, who I don't care. I, I would have argued they win the national championship last year. Um, and we've got a, a tournament – uh, going on that's going to give us a chance to see a couple other teams going to be ranked in the top five. So uh, we're excited about it. We are going to get to play a lot of in-state schools. Their schedule will be released next week. And uh, I've seen a lot of the men's stuff starting to slowly get leaked out. But, you know, I can tell you that we're going to be playing uh, uh, multiple in-state teams as well when it comes time to non-conference. I kind of talk about, you know, I'll backtrack a little bit. When I was talking about the anticipation, you know, the last two years it seems like, you know, everyone can argue that you, you got snubbed for Tennessee going into the national champ, you know, the tournament. And then what happened last year, you knew you were going to get in and then it was cut short. So how does that add that, that hunger for the kids coming into this year? Um, I, I'm not so sure the kids, cause they don't know what they missed out on. Uh, you know, we know we, some of us that have been to it feel badly what they missed, but I think our kids have handled it very level business. Like, well, sure. I've been really proud of them. Uh, in and not dwelling on it, you know, I will still go back. I, I still think not getting in the NCAA tournament that the first that two years ago probably helped us because we got to play in the NIT at home for three games and build a oh. tremendous fan base up that carried over. Uh, we're just really hopeful that the momentum continues to carry into as many people as as Walton Arena will allow to be in there. Um, and then just a good style of play. I've told everybody that'll listen, our our schedule is incredibly hard this year. So if, if you don't be comparing records, be comparing how we're viewed. Uh, we're being talked about in, you know, in preseason top 15. And that's new for a kid like Jalen Mason, whose teams were picked dead last. Um, and that um, progress carries over. Even into kids like Destiny Slocum, who comes in and has never played on a team that 
didn't play in the Sweet 16. So they're coming from two completely different perspectives. But Jalen helps bring everybody to the perspective, and she and Destiny brings her perspective, and we're meeting in the middle. And it's it's really fun to see people manage um, those expectations. We talk about them. Every time a magazine comes out, I, I put it out. I don't try to hide them from it. They're going to see it anyway. I, and if I don't talk to them about it, I think sometimes it could give the sense that I am trying to hide, from, hide it from them. So we give our kids all the available information and trust them to make the best decisions out of it. Um, but we're, we will embrace the expectations. I mean, I think we're going to be picked in the top half of the SEC when that comes out. Uh, I know some of the polls have had us as high as 13 or 14. And, uh, you know, again, I know coaches talk about that. doesn't matter. It matters to us because it, it is a sign that these kids have worked hard and put themselves in the conversation. Doesn't mean that we get to go to the tournament. Doesn't mean that it means anything at the end of the year, but it certainly does mean something at the beginning of the year. Coach, you talked about Destiny Slocum, probably one of the, I would say one of the best, maybe probably the best grad transfer, but one of the best players in the entire country. And she's a seasoned player. Um, you mentioned, and she had been to the Sweet 16 with Oregon State. Was yeah. It? yeah, and so that yeah. yeah, and so that that experience coming in, and you talked about what the pandemic has done has done, and in terms of motivating your team. Since her, I know that she had I'd heard her talk about an in an interview that she did that pretty much from the time she came in, she felt very comfortable, got settled in pretty quick. Talk about her leadership for the team. Well, she she's very um, mature in that she came in and earned her respect. She didn't come in demanding it. Didn't come in talking about I I I did this, done that. But she came in with a I'm a freshman. I am a newcomer. I am going to earn my asks. We talk about that all the time. She came in, went to work in the weight room. Uh, she did break a bench press record the very first day by bench pressing 20, 150 pounds 27 times, uh, which was uh, a program record. Um, just, just she, she did not at one time talk about any place she's ever been or played. It was all about what we're going to do here. And she immediately gained the respect uh, of everybody in, in our in our camp. Um, so now that she's earned that, now that experience of, hey, we got we got this drill's got to be better. Hey, we've been operating. And I can say to her, hey, Destiny, we need to do this one again, don't we? And she goes, yeah, we got to do this one again, Coach. And it's just risen everybody up. Uh, Chelsea Amber, Jalen Mason, Mac, Taylor Thomas, all the kids that were here and contributed in the past are all better um, than they've ever been. Uh, then you add in, you know, our freshmen uh, that have come in, uh, and then kids who uh, we've counted on in the past, our, our culture, our identity, all of those buzzwords that you hear thrown around are really good right now. Um, and we are ready to start. I, I wish it started next week. I'm, a, month, a month from now, who knows what's going to happen. I like where we're at right now. We're just going to try to keep staying ready so we don't have to get ready whenever the time does come. Yeah, and I noticed watching a couple of the videos that, you know, y'all post on Twitter and just her coming in and seeing Amber come up to her and seeing Chelsea come up to her and talk to her and how you could tell they're really listening. They're really wanting to learn from each other and watching Chelsea, you know, go up to the, you know, the new freshman and Langerman coming in, you know, to me, that's awesome because it's like they are ready to go to work. And uh, you also, you know, had an injury come up and eaten. You know, talk yeah. about how that will affect your game plan because I know you wanted to speed it up. Will that help hurt your game plan any at all? And just in depth a little bit. And if you know, if Marquisha Davis hadn't have done what she did all summer, we would have had a depth issue. But we've we've got quality depth now. It it will not affect any way that we're going to play or how we're going to play. It, it's it, we hate it for Alana because she had come in and done so many so many good things and was going to give us some length defensively. Uh, an incredible passer that can shoot it as well. But all, like I told her, everything that we've talked to her about, she's going to be delayed by one year. That's, that's the only thing that injury does. And, you know, now with the, the, the possibility that even seniors can come back, uh, there is so much uncertainty to deal with. So we'll just get her healthy. She'll be ready to go whenever the time comes. Uh, but it won't, it won't affect us because of what the other kids have done. There is quality depth. We, we won't have a men's practice team this year because we won't need one. Uh, we can go five on five and split teams up and, and push each other. In That's past, awesome. 
to do that. In the past, if if you pretty much whichever team Chelsea was on won, you know. But now you can put Mac and Destiny guarding each other. You can put uh, Chelsea and Marquisha guarding each other. You can put Destiny Oberg and Destiny McGee guarding each other, and it's it's a wash. You know, it, it it's not like coaches can sit around and practice and go, ah, I'm afraid this red team's going to beat the white team today. You don't ever know because it can be so many different people. Uh, and that's that's comforting going into a season when you don't know from day to day when somebody might fall into quarantine or fall into somebody's trace. You know, the new buzzword they're starting to use is surveillance, and that just sounds scary to me. Anytime you hear the word surveillance, they're like, oh, they're under surveillance. Um, but we are. We know that with this pandemic, kids fall into the traceable category. So we don't know when two or three of the kids may fall into somebody's trace that we have no control over. So uh, we've had some COVID practices. Like we'll be right in the middle of a drill and I'll pull one of our upperclassmen up out of the drill and say, oh, oh, by the way, you just got COVID. You got to go out. And they're like, oh, what are you talking about? But we're working <laughs> on it because it's going to happen. There's going to be a time when, when somebody – you know, isn't able to participate. So we've played out of position scrimmages. Uh, we had a scrimmage where everybody had to play a different position. Um, but we've tried to keep it real light. I will tell you that my 22 years, 21 years now of, of pre-seasons, this is by far the one where we focus most on mental health, uh, making sure we're having a good time doing it, appreciate doing it, getting in shape the best we can. Um, but I can tell you there is very little emphasis on game planning and strategies and what we're going to do in January, February, March right now. We'll get there, but not right now. Right now it's, it's stay sharp, stay healthy, stay happy. I have to say that I would like to be a fly in the gym to see the looks on some of your girls' faces when you say you've got COVID, you're out. Because I can imagine that probably some of them just think like, oh, wow, did I get a test back that he's going to say in front of the entire team? Like, I, I figured you probably got one or two of those. Yeah, we uh, we have a couple of things in our practices. That you, you can, anytime you get one of my girls, ask them about road rules. Anytime one team gets ahead, I'll say, hey, road rule's in effect. And I start calling every foul on them. Every out-of-bounds call goes against them. So, you know, we've got road rules and we've got COVID rules. Um, but everybody knows what's happening. The other day I pulled two people out and they went, oh, did I just get COVID? I said, yeah. <laughs> did. That's awesome. Oh. Well, Coach, uh, really looking forward to the season. Talking to you, you got us even more pumped up. We're, we're getting yes, close. Definitely. but. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're excited to cover this again, and, and always a pleasure talking with you, getting your insight. I mean, it's always cool to talk some basketball with you and pick your brain on that, but a lot of fun talking some music and just everyday life and being a passionate Hogs fan. Can't beat that either. Well, it's a great time for it right now. I, I just – I've been so – I've watched every game we played, and that's so uncommon. Partly is because normally we would have had recruits and things going. We don't, we don't have that. So I've made chili and we've sitting there in the Razorback room and, you know, I've, I've tried to get my little son uh, acclimated quickly. He's, he has uh, grown through everything that we've been putting in. Uh, he's got a lot bigger chance of playing for coach Pittman than he does for coach. <laughs> I don't know if y'all have seen the pictures. Of him, yes. But he is. Uh, I, he's got I've seen him when y'all are doing the team pictures. Man. He, he's, he's a cutie, man. He, he's already got the team one over. <laughs> He is going to have his knuckles in the dirt, I'm afraid. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, everybody says he, he's going to be a guard, but not a point. He's going to be a nose guard, not a point guard. <laughs> have you taught him any mime yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. You got to. Uh, you've got to be pretty secure in your manhood and your in your, in your <laughs> before you start entering into the world of mime in high school. That's right. You've got to. You've got to be pretty well established if if you're. Um, if you're if you're not established by that point in time, you can you can go a different direction. But it we'll we'll get him there. Oh, great stuff! Well, Coach, again, pleasure to talk to you as always. Definitely like to talk to you down the road sometime. And um, again, looking really forward to the season and appreciate you hopping on with us for a bit. Well, congrats on y'all's success. I like to say I I feel like I've been there since day one. With you have, you. yes, sir, yes, sir. Uh, doing what you're doing and reaching out to so many more. Viewers and listeners, it's fun. Y'all keep doing it. We there's never too much. These these kids work so hard. They deserve uh, every opportunity to have their stories told, and we appreciate y'all telling telling these kids stories because they work incredibly hard at it. And anything we can do, you let us know. 
Yes, sir. We're happy. Yes, to sir. Be- Thank you. Well, that will do it for episode number 133 of the Hawks Talk Podcast. For Coach Mike Neighbors, Porter Hayes, my name's Kyle Sutherland. We'll catch you next time. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.